Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I'm your host, Dan Hoppin', and this episode is brought to you by my sponsor, Certified Piedmontese. I have a great offer for you, so stick around later in the episode. I want to get that to you. But first, let's get to my guest today. We get to talk about pizza today, one of my favorite topics. And in the world of pizza, there are so many different types of pie. There's Neapolitan, there's Deep Dish, there's Detroit style, there's Sicilian. I mean, we can just go down a whole rabbit hole. Pizza can get complicated very quickly. But I feel like when you want that quintessential, simple, just wonderfully greasy New York style slice, Frank's is one of the go-to options in Omaha. And that is why I am so excited to have owner Matt Halligan and general manager and second in command Brian Kuzer from Frank's Pizzeria on the podcast today. Guys, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for having us. All right. Anytime I have multiple voices on the show, I like to allow you to do a quick introduction so everybody who's listening knows who's speaking when they speak. So um, can can you guys maybe just, just say hi and introduce yourself real quick? Yeah, absolutely. So um, hi, my name is Matt Halligan and I own Frank's Pizzeria. We've owned Frank's for um, the last three years and a little bit more now on top of that. Um, and just recently opened a second location here in Omaha, uh, just outside of Ralston. And I'm Brian. I run the place. I make all the pizzas, and I have a ton of fun working for Matt. All right. Awesome. So now we know who these guys are. Let's talk about some pizza. What, in your mind, is it that separates Frank's from other Omaha pizza joints? So I I love when you opened up, you kind of talked about, like, the quintessential pizza, right? And what I like to tell customers is when you imagine what a cartoon character is thinking about (laughs) when they think of a pizza – you know, you got the little thought bubble that goes up, and they're thinking of a pizza. They're not thinking of a deep dish pizza. They're not thinking of a Sicilian pizza. They're thinking of a classic New York style pepperoni pizza. Frank's is the pizza emoji. That is correct. Yes. We are the pizza emoji. I need to copyright that. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, I, I joke around like, same thing, like Ninja Turtles, right? Right. I grew up with Ninja Turtles as a kid, and when they're eating pizza, they're eating New York pizza. They're in New York. We actually even have a little Ninja Turtle thing up in the sign in the Ralston location. I love that. I couldn't resist. But yeah, I, I, so from a, so, you know, they're, they're all that aside, right? Now now we'll talk about, you know, the very proper, hey, you know, we make our dough fresh. We make our sauce fresh. It's all about uh, simple pizza, simple, fresh ingredients. And, you know, one big thing is it's handmade, right? So most places... I've worked at other pizza places in my life, you know, when I was in high school and whatnot, and most pizza places have a conveyor belt. You make your pizza, you put it on the conveyor belt, it goes through the oven, it pops out, you know, it's, it's, it's foolproof. Not at Frank's. Frank's, we hand make those pizzas, and we have to move those pizzas off the pizza paddles right onto the oven by hand. This is a skill. I, it's part of the reason why Brian's here, right? You know, Brian's the guy that has the skill. I'm just the guy that pays the bills. (laughs) Brian's the guy that makes the magic happen. Years of practice. So walk me through that process because I feel like that's kind of one of those, those buzzwords handmade that we as customers hear all the time. And, and that signals to us that a restaurant really cares and that they're putting in extra steps to make sure that the quality is there. But I don't, as a customer necessarily know exactly what handmade means. What does hand like the, the uh, the adjective handmade, what does that do to the final product that enhances it so much? 
So a lot of pizza places, they have a dough sheeter where you just throw the dough ball in. It kind of stretches it into an oval. You turn it sideways, you throw it back in. Now it's a circle. They put it on a screen. They throw it in the conveyor belt. Our handmade pizzas, we are actually pressing out the crust and flattening it. Every single pizza has a little bit of attitude, and you can't have a good pizza without the right crust. They're all snowflakes. Yeah. No two are exactly snowflakes. the same. It's more, you got to feel them into the way they're supposed to be. You don't actually just force them into a pizza shape. And, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of tradition that goes into something like this, too. You know, we have our marble top that we actually stretch those pizzas on, and, you know, we didn't get it in time to open. So, you know, we learned that we can do without it, but that's part of the tradition, right? That's how they do things in New York. They have a marble top, and that marble top is designed to help you so you stretch that dough, and it stretches properly so it doesn't tear. That marble's, you know, a certain smooth stone that you Flour will soak into the pores on that and help it turn into a very glidable surface. I know it seems silly, right? But that's part of it, right? That's part of the tradition of real New York pizza. Mm-hmm. You know, there are a lot of places around town that are, you know, making a New York pizza. Heck, Papa John's just started making a New York pizza. Trust me, <laughs> they're not making it on a marble top. You know, and they're probably putting it on a screen too. So some places they have these uh, little metal screens. They make their dough. Sometimes they'll still hand stretch it. Sometimes they'll use the dough stretcher. They'll put it on a screen and then put the screen in the oven, and then that will still allow them to use a conveyor belt or even in situations where they're using more of a traditional pizza oven like we've got, there are are situations where that screen makes it a lot easier because you don't have to worry about it picking up anything from the bottom of the oven. That is also not a real New York pizza. That is cheating, plain and simple. And, you know, I'll tell you what. I, I wish I could claim that, you know, I'm the OG New York guy. I'm not, right? I mean, we bought this from a guy named Joe. Joe was the OG New York guy. And, you know, a lot of people in Omaha know who Joe is because Joe owned the place for 15 years before we owned it. And I, I, I'm sorry, when I say we, of course, I, I mean me and, you know, my family, right? My, my right. wife's involved. My mom's involved. My brother's involved. My dad has been involved in the past. But anyways... Um, you know, Joe owned the place for 15 years, and Joe was, I mean, he was Mr. New York. And you could tell. I mean, you came in there. I, I used to go in there all the time. I was a regular. And, you know, Joe is kind of that, you know, ah, forget about it. You know, I'm walking here, you know, classical, you know, stereotypical New York. I used to joke around, used to call him the pizza Nazi, because if you made him <laughs> mad, he'd be like, get out of here. You wouldn't get your food. And I, I have to say, I think I did it once or twice, too. I didn't get my food. <laughs> But if so, I mean, for for Joe, right, his father-in-law was Frank. So, you know, and we always get that question. Where's Frank? Who's Frank? Joe's father-in-law was Frank, and he actually owned the original Frank's Pizzeria that was out in Brooklyn. And just recently, here was about, I think, uh, I don't know, six months ago, me and my family, we actually went up to New York. Really? I wanted to see where the original Frank's was because we have a picture of it on the wall, and we've got a picture of Frank ancient picture, but on the picture, he's got his shirt that's got his little guy tossing pizza and it has an address and a phone number on the shirt and you can read it. So we were able to figure out where the original Frank's was and we wanted to go visit it. And so um, I'll be the first to admit, born and raised Omaha, Nebraska, right? So ignorant Midwesterner had never been to New York before. Heck, I've barely been out of the, the, the region before, right? In my opinion, and you know, take a vacation kansas city man Ooh, yeah <laughs> wow so you know we actually took this huge road trip 
went down through Branson, through Memphis, through uh, Charlotte, up through Virginia Beach, all driving. Oh, I learned a lot of lessons, believe you me. And we went to New York. So one of the big lessons I learned was, first and foremost, don't drive in New York. What was I thinking? Oh, my God. Another thing I learned, yeah, pay the tolls. Don't just drive through. Like, they've got these things where you can just drive through, and it's like, oh, yeah, that's cool. They'll just send me a bill. Pay the tolls. Because the toll is $4. The the bill for just driving through, yeah, that's like $50. Oh, boy. Oh, and, and it adds okay, up Okay, that's fast. a good tip to have. So, yeah. yeah, just pay the toll. Even if there's a big old line, yeah, just pay the toll. Anyways, went to New York. Um, so, had never never been to New York before. And we enjoyed, you know, the whole subway experience is something that... I call it an ecosystem made entirely by man because this is, I mean, it's, it's crazy how much of the city is connected and how much, you know, uh, culture is just right there in the subway. And so I, I had told, I have a buddy that lives up in New York. He met with us and we were hanging out and I had told him that I had, you know, other than seeing Frank's, of course, I had three kind of overarching goals for New York. One, I wanted to see the Statue of Liberty. Uh, two, I wanted to ride the subway. And three, I wanted to see a real New York sewer rat. Because, again, Omaha, Nebraska, right? You, you got to experience the culture. I, I, yeah, yeah, right? If you're there, you got to get all of it. Well, he told me, he's like, well, I've got good news for you. Because you're going to see all three of those things all on the same trip. And I said, great, let's do it. So, you know, I, and this is, of course, not pizza related. This is just, you know, me kind of spelling, spelling out how ignorant, you know, Midwesterner I am. We're... On the subways, my buddy tells me, he's like, just look at the rails. He's like, you're going to see rats. There's rats all over the place. And so I spent the entire trip, every time we go to the subway, and believe you me, we went to the subway a lot, I'd go over to the edge, and I'm looking down at the rails. And I'm like, where's the rats? And, you know, people are looking at me like I'm some kind of freak because I'm sitting there, and I'm like, dude, there's no rats down here. What Are the rats on that side? And literally, we're getting these looks. And he's like, no, man, I, I, I can't believe it. I've never not seen rats on the subway like this. Went the whole three days we were there. Never saw a sewer rat never, or any rat until the last day at the World Trade Center stop. A single rat on the rails. And, oh, my, I was jumping up and down. I was like, oh, my God, there's a rat. Hurry, everybody, come look, hurry. And literally everybody at the stop just looks at me like I'm just this insane person. But that and, would make you like every other New Yorker. Um, so you assimilated well. And maybe maybe all the crazy homeless guys, I guess. <laughs> but man, everybody else, like I've never seen so many noses go up. Wow. And the worst thing was, as soon as I started freaking out, the rat ran away. I'm the only one that saw it. Everybody else just thought I was making it. <laughs> well, you accomplish your goal, and that's what's important. But what was it like getting back to well, so getting it, back I, to pizza? What I, was it I, like I was, to visit the original? So I, I was getting there, right? So the, what we learned was, so I just assumed New York was big city, right? It turns out that you know those boroughs outside of like the core city, they're actually not like that. And I didn't, I didn't ever realize that. So we, you know, we looked up the best way to get to the original Franks. Got off the subway. And it was a good 20-minute walk mm-hmm. to get to this Brooklyn neighborhood. And the whole time we're going, I'm looking around, I'm thinking to myself, this is not any different from a neighborhood in Omaha. You know, it's just just houses and some small apartments, no high-rises, none of that stuff. You know, little shops around every corner. There's cars parked in the street, cars coming and going, stop signs, streetlights, you know, same old stuff. So we walk, it's about 20 minutes, 
But I learned really quickly that we were definitely in a very Italian neighborhood. And I I didn't realize these kinds of things really still existed. I mean, this was right out of The Sopranos. Literally, we, we walked up to what is now just a cafe. I mean, we, we, we recognized the building right away, right? And it just says, cafe. Okay, cool. And as we're walking up, there's, you know, four guys sitting outside, and they're all speaking Italian. And, you know, I, they, they, people can't see me doing, like, the hand gesture, but that's real. They were really doing that. Right, everyone knows, yeah. Yeah, right? And I'm, I'm sitting here looking at my wife, and I'm like, there's four guys just speaking Italian out here, having some coffee. This is crazy. How far away are we from New York? And we, we go in, and there's um, it, it's just a coffee shop now, basically. And there's a lady behind the counter, and she doesn't speak very much English. And, you know, she's trying to get an order from me. And I told her, I said, oh, we're, we're just looking around. You know, this used to be a pizzeria. And she said, no, no pizza, only coffee. And I told her, I said, no, I, I don't want any coffee. I, I just looking, right? You know, it used to be a pizzeria. No, no pizza, only coffee. And so I'm like, okay, great, thanks, thanks. You know, we leave, right? Um, sort of anticlimactic, right? Because there wasn't much to look at. And, you know, I learned I was in, you know, a very Italian neighborhood, which, you know, makes sense, right? That's part of the stereotype. I'm just surprised to see it existed, you know, 40 years later, right? So we walked a little bit further down the street. And um, one of the things that we did while we were in New York, my brother was with me too. My brother and I made a pact. Every time we saw a place that sold slices, we were going to stop and get a slice. There you go. Oh, that was stupid. <laughs> wow, that was stupid. What few calories were we thinking? I must have eaten, I don't know, 20 slices of pizza that oh, day. Boy. There's lots. So as we were walking back, we walked by this place, uh, Crispy Pizza, it was called. And I look over and I'm like, oh, they sell slices. We got to stop and get one. And we're both like, oh, we're so full, but... You know, a deal's a deal. So we go in to get a you know a slice of pizza, right? And um, I, I, the guy that owns that place is there, and you know, definitely you know Brooklyn Italian guy, right? He's got the accent, uh, but you know, clear English speaker. And I was talking to the guy, and I said, you know, yeah, we actually came here from Omaha, Nebraska, because there used to be a pizzeria on the corner. And the guy's like, "Are you talking about Frank's Pizzeria?" And I said, "Yeah, actually." And he's like, "That's crazy. I grew up in the neighborhood." He's like, I opened this place because I liked Frank so much when I was a kid oh, that wow. I wanted to open up my own pizza place. And then he went out of business and I opened mine. And I'm like, wow, what a weird, small world, despite the fact that we're, you know, what, a thousand miles away from each other. And, you know, the original Franks had inspired this neighborhood kid. He grew up, opened his own pizzeria, literally like a block and a half away from the first one. And then, you know, to have us all the way from Omaha – Come carrying and make that this legacy still, yeah. going back to, you know, the original. Uh, what an experience, right? Mm -hmm. Now, one of the most common things when I when I talk to people about Frank's is they'll say, and I've, I've never been to New York, full uh, transparency, but people will say, oh, you know, I, I'm from New York, or I've got a buddy from New York, or I've got a cousin from New York, and they say this is the closest representation that you will find in Omaha. Now that you've got an, a chance to actually experience that, and you had 20-plus slices of legit New York pizza, what is it about Frank's that is that great connector, you feel like, that makes it that quintessential New York slice? So, easy. Easy answer, right? 
it's everything's the same. All of those guys are stretching dough on marble. All of those guys are using the same Blodgett ovens that we use. All of those guys are hand-stretching dough. All those guys are using the same pizza foils with the, the paddles that we actually, you know, scoop them off. I, I mean, it, it's crazy how specific the formula is. But, you know, I go to New York, and it's all there. And I think my favorite part is, I mean, it's all handmade, right? So, full, full disclosure... We rated our pizza slices, of course, as we were going, right? Because, you know, I wanted to make sure, you know, is this better course, or worse than yeah. ours? And, you know, which one's our favorite of all the places we ate? And strangely enough, of all the places we ate at, there was this one place, and it just said pizza and chicken. That's all it said. And we walked in, and he's offering just slices of cheese. So he's got pre-made cheese pizza slices. And you can see he's got a little station over there with marble, He's got a single little blodget oven he's using to make these pizzas, and he's only making cheese pizzas. But it's $1.99 a slice. And then, of course, the other half of the restaurant is just like these like uh, roast chicken roasters. So he's roasting tons of chicken. And this is not like the Brooklyn Italian guy. This is more like, like an Armenian guy, uh, which I thought was interesting. But, you know, clearly he, he knows what sells, right? Had to be one of the best slices of cheese pizza I've ever had in my entire life. And I, I can't believe it. I, I, even, I, told him, I looked at my brother and I was like, no way. This place is clearly making more chicken than they're even making pizza. But somewhere along the way, somebody taught this guy how to make a cheese pizza. And it was. It was top notch for a buck ninety nine. And that is the beauty of pizza. Sometimes just the most simple thing is just, it, it's glorious. Uh, so, we're, you know, talking about this process, you see this. The, these same techniques being replicated over and over at all these pizza spots. Brian, how did you learn and how did you kind of come to understand that process as you became like Frank's number one pizza maker? So I'm actually a Jersey boy myself. Oh, okay. There you go. It. So like you guys are just learning about this. This is the stuff this is in your I blood. With. Yeah, I bring it to Omaha. Like I'm very happy I had the opportunity to do this. I started as a customer when Joe owned the place. He actually yelled at me a whole bunch, and uh, we didn't get along so well at first because, I mean, he's, he definitely has that, you know, in-your-face attitude, but I loved it. It reminded me of my childhood, and uh, it just, I know what it's supposed to look like and feel like. Like, when you fold it in half, it's supposed to go about three-quarters of the way up, and the tip is just supposed to droop a little bit, and it just, like, two or three drops of grease. Like, that is something you will only know if you came from back there. And it just, I think I have a leg up on the competition out here just because nobody else is from out there. You know, like, anybody from New York that comes into our store, I love talking to them. I love arguing with them. Hot dogs. Like, you guys don't understand what a sobret hot dog is. <laughs> I've had a half-hour conversation with people about it. What, 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 like, not to get off the topic of pizza, but what, what is that? I've never even heard of that. Yeah, I've never heard of that either. So when you were in New York, did you see the hot dog stands on the corners? Yeah, and they all have the same sign. Best hot dog in New York. The ones with the yellow umbrellas or the sobrettes? Uh, yeah, I did see those. Yep. If you tried one of them, they are the best. Like, it's hard to explain. Like, they have the natural skin casings. They're just, like, a little bit shriveled up. They got some crunch and some bite to them, but they're, like, actual hot dogs. They're not just, like, pork in a meat sock. 
Fair enough. So, Brett, hot dogs. I learned something. <laughs> well, I've learned quite a few things this morning, but that's a very important thing, and I wasn't expecting to learn about hot dogs on this podcast. So, and I ate so much pizza when I was in New York. I didn't have <laughs> yeah. hot dogs. So I never even tried one. Uh, next time, I guess. <laughs> so, so what brought you to Omaha, Brian? Uh, growing up, my parents didn't want me to grow up in their neighborhood, so we transferred around the country a little bit. Just wound up in Omaha. I liked it. It's nice and quiet. So, when you got the opportunity to become a part of Frank's and bring like that familiar New York style slice that was such an important part of you growing up. Like w- what did that mean to you? You know, at first it was, it was just a job with food that I liked. You know, it, it reminded me of being back with my grandparents, being back where I came from. It was, it was really good to just have real food again. And then like, Joe sold it to a guy I actually knew. His name was Marty. I trained him to be a manager at Outback when I was working at Outback. And so me and him kind of goofed off a bunch. And, you know, I I started stepping more into, um, hey, I need to help run the business kind of mode. And then eventually Matt bought the place. And at first I was just like, you know, I I don't really know this guy. It's just still a job. I'll work on it, but I mean, Matt's an awesome dude. I love working for him. I love working with him. Me and him, I feel we've grown the company quite a bit together. And now it's, uh, now it's, it brings me a lot of pride to bring the food I grew up with out here. So let's get into that, that purchase, Matt. You, you mentioned you were a big fan of the restaurant when Joe owned it. You were a regular customer. I mean, I'm a big fan of a lot of restaurants, there are none that I would feel equipped to if they went for sale or anything like that. I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to buy that, and I'll run it and keep it successful. Like, how did how did you go from frequent customer to restaurant owner? So, first and foremost, clearly not true food lover then. If you're not willing to buy the place to keep it alive, then you must not like it that much. I, I have much to learn. I, it's not that I wouldn't buy it to try and keep it alive. It's that I have no skills or ability, and I don't want to crash it into the ground and have it burn in front of my eyes. I, I always joked around with my wife. I, I'm I'm a Ted and Wally's fanatic. Ooh, love that place. And I yeah. always joke with my wife. I'm like, I will sell our house if they ever try to go to business. <laughs> I will sell the house and I will buy it because the world must have this ice cream. You know so, what's, what's hilarious? Quick aside. Yeah. Uh, Jeannie and Joe actually were employees of Ted and Wally's. And then the owners of Ted and Wally's were selling it, and they exactly like you. Oh, like, really? <laughs> yeah, they, they said we're not letting this thing like go away. We have to keep it alive. So like the the irony in that, I had them on the podcast probably six or seven months ago, and they told that story. So anyway, That's continue funny, yeah. continue with your story. So um, for me, the truth of the matter is, and you know, I, I can bore you the details of my life here. I'll try to not make it too long. Um, I'm actually an IT guy by profession. So I've worked here in Omaha for HDR for the last 10 years in their IT department. And then prior to that, CSG and ConAgra Med Center, you know, I've had, you know, an actual full IT career. Gotcha. Um, It was my dad who wanted a restaurant. And my dad actually is one of the guys behind Addy's Sports Bar. He was Tim Addison's kitchen manager for like 15 years, and he wanted his own. You know, he, he, he liked working for Tim, but he wanted his own place. And so... At the time, you know, I had saved up some money and I was looking to invest. And he and I had always kind of joked around about it, right? You know, I, I was going to pay for it and he was going to run it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, fast forward five, six, seven years, suddenly it happened. 
right? I happened to have, you know, a sizable chunk of change I'd saved up that I was looking to invest with. And he was ready to move on and start his own thing. And so we started talking about, well, okay, but, you know, but where, right? What do we want to buy something? Do we want to start something? And, you know, in the middle of those conversations, I was just going to pick up pizza one night. And I went by Frank's, and um, the guy that owned the place, uh, there was, uh, I'd mentioned earlier that I'd bought from Joy. There's actually a middle guy that Brian had mentioned, Marty. Right. He, he owned the place for a little bit. Um, I forgot about that. Um, but we were in there, and um, that guy was talking about how they had, because at the time they had two stores. They had the West Omaha store, and they had the Bellevue store. And the Bellevue store, which was only open for like six months before the, the uh, there was a partner involved who owned that one, and he got divorced, and they had to go bankrupt. And so, you know, unfortunately, the business died because of that. And he had mentioned that they were trying to sell that Bellevue location. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. And, you know, I got my pizza, and I went home, and I'm sitting there eating my pizza. I'm thinking to myself, man, this pizza is good. And, it, and I've always thought it was good. And I've all, anytime, like, because I'm the kind of, I host a lot of parties like my friends, right? And I always got to have pizza, right? Mm -hmm. And I try to have different kinds of pizza for people because I like pizza. And so anytime I'd have Frank's, I'd always get, what's this Frank's place? Never heard of this place. Never heard of this place. And I thought to myself, you know, this might be a good opportunity. Here's a good pizza place that no one's heard of. And we could, you know, try to work it so that people have heard of it and then make some money on it. And so I went back the next day to Frank's and talked to the guy again and said, you know, you'd mentioned that you were trying to sell the Bellevue location. Um, I'm like, I'm, I'm interested. And he told me, he's like, would you be interested in this location? And I was like, this one? And he's like, yeah, you know, honestly, he's like, I'd like to get out of it too. You know, it's, it's a lot more work than I thought it was going to be. And, you know, I'd like to do something different. And I mean, me and my family, we're from Millard, right? I'm, I'm a Millard South graduate. And so, you know, West Omaha was way closer to you know home for me. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I'd rather not drive down to Bellevue every day. So, yeah, what the hell? Let's buy this one. And so, you know, we agreed uh, at, at the time. I wish I'd tried to buy the Bellevue one, too, but I didn't, you know, I, did, I didn't know what I was doing. Right? I'd never owned a restaurant before. And so we let the Bellevue one, unfortunately, die off and kept the one in West Omaha. And um, from there, my dad was running the place. I was working my full-time job, you know, desk job at HDR, and my dad was running the restaurant. He was in charge of, you know, basically learning how to do it all, keeping everything moving. I was in charge of, like, the accounting and the social media and the technology pieces of it, the boring stuff. Um, you know, they got all the glory. And at the time, Brian was just working for us part-time. Yeah. So that's kind of an origin story of, you know, how that came to be. Were you intimidated at all taking over Frank's? Because obviously this was a place that you loved and you, you really enjoyed showcasing to to new people but now you are the one who's like the one who's keeping it alive the one who's keeping frank's legacy like afloat like that's a lot of responsibility D did that come into your mind or was it more so just excitement that hey this thing is ours now i, I mean to say the truth my dad's been doing restaurant stuff his whole life i didn't worry about it i mean that was his part of the deal i literally just and plus, you know, I was busy at HDR, right? I didn't have time to worry about any of this. From where I was sitting, all I got was all the free pizza I could eat. <laughs> it's a pretty good deal right I, there. I, I mean, that was, and believe you me, I've enjoyed it ever since, right? You know, I, I, I always joke around with these guys. 
I know who our number one customer is. It's me <laughs> because I must eat pizza. Jeez, if not once a day, twice a day, sometimes. I mean, we've got other things on the menu, so I'm not literally just eating pizza all the time. But at the same time, it's like, well, why am I going to go buy food? I got food. <laughs> so, are you still working at HGR? Or are you full time, Frank? Now? So that's it's it's a good question, and it's uh, it's actually very relevant. So, unfortunately, my dad had some health problems. And so he had to step down about um, halfway through our second location being built. And um, I had to kind of make a decision, right? It's like, well, he was mostly in charge of keeping this moving. And I, I, you could tell that his health was not doing well. So I'd been stepping up quite a bit. And um, it was getting to the point where, like, HDR is so good to me for so many. It's such a great place to work. And I did not want to take advantage of them. You know what I mean? Like, and, and like I said, such, such a great place, such great people. God, they probably would have let me to some degree. And I, I didn't, I'm not stummy, right? I don't want to be that guy. And so, you know, I, I decided to go talk to my, my boss HDR and say, Hey, you know, the pizzeria is doing really well. My dad's had to step, step down. I don't really want to hire somebody else to run it. I feel like I can step up and run it. And so I decided to, you know, do that, right? I decided to say goodbye to HDR and um, take over the restaurant. You don't want to give half of yourself to each entity. You want to give yeah, 100% exactly. to friends. Yeah, yeah. I and, mean, you know, there's a friend of mine has a saying, you know, if you're going to do something, do it well. And he's right. You know, I, I didn't want to, knowing that my dad wasn't there to give his full attention to it. And, you know, thankfully we, we had Brian, who was just, you know, one of our managers at the time, you know, Brian was able to step up and be, you know, my number two guy because, you know, I can't do it all. Um, but at the same time, you know, not having a family member who I can, you know, count on to keep it going, I had to step up. Either step up or, you know, pay a boatload of money and, you know, find somebody that can definitely handle it. And then it turns into, what, what am I doing here? I'm just, you know, paying somebody else to run this business so I can get free pizza? Come on. And so I decided to go for it. Plus, on, on top of that, the business has been doing very well. Um, and so I figured, you know, why not give it a shot? Um, and it didn't quite go down that way anyways because I had to stay on at HDR as a consultant for probably like six months afterwards. <laughs> I, I was very involved with a lot of things there and couldn't just walk away, unfortunately. So they were kind enough to basically let me focus on my restaurant full-time and then I consulted for them on the side for six months and then starting the first of the year, that was officially over. So now I am full-fledged all the way working on pizza. Well, congratulations. It's it turned into a lot of work real fast cuz oh, I mean yeah. we had the pandemic stuff happen, we we've had staffing issues, we've had, you know, wage issues, we've had food cost issues. It has been crazy. It's like, you know, as soon as I decide I'm going to, you know, jump off my safe, you know, corporate job that I've had for a long time, suddenly it's like, all right, crisis mode. But that's okay. Um tell you the truth, I spent a long year doing corporate crises, so this is not so bad. Gotcha. So, it's just my money on the line instead of HDRs. <laughs> <laughs> hey there, listeners. We'll get back to my guest in a minute, but I got to remind you one more time about certified Piedmontese. I love when restaurant menus list all the different producers and farms where their meats, cheeses, and vegetables arrive from. It gives me confidence that I'm eating a quality product because the restaurant is proud to attach its name to the brand. The same goes for beef, and that's one of the main reasons why I love certified Piedmontese. Certified Piedmontese is farm-to-fork traceable as it purchases its cattle from a trusted network of family ranches in the Midwest. 
all certified Piedmontese beef is raised without hormones, steroids, or antibiotics. And it's 100% source verified by where food comes from incorporated. And when you buy certified Piedmontese, you know where your food is coming from and why it tastes so good. Place your order today on Piedmontese.com with my promo code HOPPEN, H-O-P-P-E-N, and feast on delicious, safe cuts of beef with confidence. And now, back to my guest. So, Brian, you mentioned previously this was you viewed this more as just a job and I think um Matt even said that Brian was part-time when you guys uh purchased the restaurant at what point did you kind of take more ownership and and start to look at it more seriously like this might not just be a job but this could be something that's a bigger part of my life so with that it was uh probably about a year or so into Matt owning it that me and him really started to connect I started to actually, not that I didn't care about the food or the business beforehand, but like I was working three jobs, you know, I'd, I'd going to the bars at night, just being in my mid twenties, didn't care. <laughs> so it, it just, something clicked and then, you know, his dad started having some health issues. So I, I started stepping up more, started caring more, you know, I always cared about the food, but when you care about like the owner of the business, when you care about their family, when you want to like carry the Frank's legacy on. Like I, I love carrying that badge on my shoulder. There's personal stakes. Yeah. 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 Like I said, it's like my childhood. I love, I love just bringing it to the table. So when you, when you have this, this restaurant that has a legacy and it's well known, it's beloved. I assume like there's, there's gotta be this temptation because you, you purchase a restaurant and it's yours. Now you want to come in and kind of like put your personal stamp on it, but you also don't want to ruin what people love about it and what you loved about it originally. So how do you, how do you preserve what people really like about the original restaurant while also updating and adding to it? So from my perspective, easy question because I knew why I liked it, right? And immediately I'm like, well, I'm not changing any of that. So, you know, we still use all the same recipes that Frank used, you know, 40 plus years ago. We still do our sauce the same way. You know, and, and there are, you know, I'll tell you what, like our sauce, we we hand grind tomatoes to make that sauce. We have a food mill and they have to hand grind it. And um, when we bought the second store, I had to get more of those food mills. And those are not a common thing. I had to import those from Italy. Oh, wow. It was, yeah. yeah, I had no idea that that was, you know, so traditional. And, you know, I've had employees who will, you know, even my own brothers, like, hey, why, why don't we just get a food processor? You know, this yeah, will go way things, Just throw it in there, hit high, and call it a day. And I tell them, I said, that's not how Frank did it. We're going to keep doing it the way Frank did it because that's what makes this pizza good. And as long as we keep doing it the same way, the pizza's still going to be good. The only thing that we wanted to do was... And, you know, maybe not necessarily wanted to do, but just kind of a result of just different people, right? So um, my family's all Midwestern, right? Born and raised Omaha. And, um, you know, we, we're friendly, very friendly. We, we like having people come in. I like talking to people. And, you know, you lose some of that, you know, uh, and, and I, I this is not to talk crap about Joe because Joe is awesome for the record but you know classic new yorker and i always joke around if you want to you want to you want to laugh look at our google reviews and go back back to when joe in the place and you'll see people will be like you know pizza definitely real new york pizza owner definitely real new york owner 
Sounds and like he's a little abrasive. He, well, yes, not always. So. Not not always. Like, but that was his. He thing, could right? be. He yes. certainly could be. And but that was just his. That was that's him, right? He's got a heart of gold, and you know he's still around, and we still see him all the time. And I, I love having Joe come in because Joe really cares about that place still. And you know, I told him, I said, we want to maintain that legacy. You know, this is this is your family's story. I'm just the guy keeping it alive. And, you know, he likes that. He likes that we're doing it. And Frank himself comes in. Um, we had him in for his birthday. Um, oh, wow. And, you know, he, he always gets the cannolis. And it's, it's, it's really something, you know. Um, but anyways, so but we, we try to add a little more of that Midwestern hospitality. And my dad had a couple simple rules when it came to restaurants. And one of them was keep the place clean, keep the employees happy, have fun with the customers, and make the food consistently. That's all it takes. And you'll notice that the number one of those things is keep the place clean. And that's the easiest to mess up because, you know, these guys are working hard. They're making food, but, you know, nobody likes to clean. And we have to push really hard to keep on top of that. And, you know, I tell these guys, um, I'm not afraid to clean toilets. And, you know, toilets are dirty. I'll grab a rag. I'll go do it right now myself. And they're like, well, don't, don't you want gloves? And I'm like, yeah, I guess I do. And I'll put the gloves on and go clean, right? <laughs> but, you know, I tell them, I said, I wouldn't expect you guys to do anything that I wouldn't do. And so I'll clean the toilets, you know, but we need to make sure that this kind of stuff is getting done. We have to stay on top of it. And I think that's made a big difference. You know, I love seeing reviews where people say the place is really clean. If I see a review that says the food is good and the place is clean, that brings me a lot of pride because those are the two things that I really try to focus on the most. Mm-hmm. And that might be, you know, one of the ways that we try to grow this and one of the ways that we try to, you know, as I call it, separate to the big leagues. And, um, you know, before we bought the place, Joe was already looking into a second location. He actually, um, he was talking about opening one up at Village Point. I think he was going to move up to Village Point where I believe it's Saltgrass is now yeah. or Firebird or something. And that was when I think he decided that, you know, he'd already done it for 15 years. The kids are all through college you know, do I really want to take this whole thing on again and go another round or do we want to maybe, you know, cash out, right? And I think that, you know, he had the opportunity, so he decided to cash out and then they didn't go out west. They went to Bellevue and then, you know, unfortunately that didn't work out and now here we are, three years in, business is so good that we are now, you know, we've opened our Ralston store. And um, I, I wish I could say there was some magic formula here. I think the only thing that maybe I'm doing that, Joe wasn't doing before was I'm a little more tech savvy. And so I'm doing a lot more of our social media, a lot more like advertising online, a lot more working with like the, the, the Google stuff to right, make sure right. that we're, you know, getting in front of people. And um, that I think has made a big difference. You know, I, I noticed that before it was, okay, here's a webpage, but nobody did anything with like Google AdWords. Nobody did anything with, you know, making sure that, you're actually advertising on social media to get in front of people. And I feel like when we, because every time we have new customers come in, I always ask them because I'm, I'm, you know, they're at register a lot. And I'll say, you know, how did you guys find us? And the, the number number one and number two answers, number one is Omaha Food Lovers. Um, <laughs> of course. Which is Facebook great. Group, yes. God, God bless Omaha Food Lovers. And two is Google. I, I Googled pizza and you guys came up. Woohoo, that's exactly what I was going for. And, you know, then we win new customers that way. And, you know, we have a lot of people who, um, you know, love just talking to us. You know, I'll go around the, um, I'll go around the restaurant and just chat with people. 
And my uh, my father-in-law lovingly calls me the new Mr. C because I guess he used to do that all the time. That was you okay, know something yeah. that he used to love about going to Mr. C's was that Mr. C would go around and talk to all the customers. And uh, he jokes, I need to learn to play the accordion because I guess that's something Mr. C did. <laughs> And I told him, I totally will. I mean, I'm, I'm not afraid. You know, I'm sing some Italian songs to customers. <laughs> That'll maybe scare them away more than anything. <laughs> well, I feel like, real quick, I, I want to give an organic plug because you were just talking about the importance of SEO and, and Google Analytics, all that type of stuff. The the production company, that the studio that we're sitting in right now is owned by Herdat, which is a fantastic SEO and marketing agency. So if any restaurant owners are listening to this, these guys can help you. When someone looks for best pizza Omaha, they can make sure it's Frank's Pizzeria showing up or whatever the name of your restaurant is showing up because that is, it's so important. Like obviously word of mouth is huge. Being, you know, having good reviews on Omaha food livers or something is huge, but being able to pop up when someone is just searching for something or they say pizza near me or burger near me, that's massive. Especially and, and, today. And you, you you as an owner, you don't think it is. You know what I mean? Like, and instinctively, you're like, my food will speak for itself. But the reality is, is that there's an entire world churning on the other side of your phone. And there are people actively paying for your attention. And you got to play that game if you want that business. Mm-hmm. And believe you me, you know, I want that business. And it has. It's worked out for us. But... You better make sure that once they come in, they like it. Right. Because that machine can turn against you just as quickly as it turns for you. And, you know, word of mouth is far more important than anything else. Right. You know, and you heard me mention, you know, Omaha Food Lovers, right? I I had never even heard of Omaha Food Lovers until, um, we, we, we think, maybe like two years ago is about when, like, we started hearing people talk about Omaha Food Lovers that all of a sudden. Week That's that about somebody posted up. something about it being, like, New York style. That following weekend, we just crushed our record sales. It was and, insane. And it seems like, I mean, that was, I, I want to say that was, like, two years ago. Yeah. And ever since then, and, and you know, I, I'll tell you what, you have a temptation as an owner to, like, well, let's start putting posts out there. But I have to, I kind of hold myself back because I'm like, no, I, you know what? I love that it's organic, right? I love that these are actual customers who really just like our pizza and they're sharing. I don't want, I don't want to compromise the integrity of that by like putting things out there myself, right? And so we've just kind of let the Omaha Food Lovers train keep going and I'm blown away. You know, all of the support we get for people out there. I, I'll tell you what, when I bought Frank's, I thought I was buying a good pizza place. And when I see posts on Food Lovers, I see all these people, best pizza in Omaha, best pizza in Omaha, best pizza in Omaha. And I'm like, whoa, I didn't think I was buying a top-tier place, right? I, I had no idea that we had these these fans. And, you know, we try every day to be worthy of that. That's very important because those guys, I those guys are the best. Mm-hmm. And having people who have nothing better to do than to go on the internet and tell other people that Frank's pizza is the best pizza. Those guys kick ass for, no, you're good. I did it. I used the swear word. <laughs> for people that are unaware, Omaha food lovers is a Facebook group with over 73,000 members. Now it is one of the most active groups I've ever seen. And it's, it's been huge for me in finding new places and, and uh, just learning more about what Omaha has. I want to get back to the pizza, though. Uh, we, we've done a lot of talking about business and everything. Let, let's talk about pizza. 
And I, one of the things that I love about Frank's is you guys just, you keep things simple. And it's, we kind of touched on this at the beginning of the episode, but like, and this is to say nothing bad about like artisan pizza places, because I like a lot of restaurants like that, but you see pizza places going kind of crazy with toppings. Now you see pizzas with lobster and goat cheese and sunny side eggs on them and everything. mignon pizza. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You guys aren't doing stuff like that. You've got like the classic pizza ingredients, basically what you would expect, you know, to see on, on basically any pizza menu. What is, and I sense that you like take a pride in that. What is the benefit behind keeping things simple and not going crazy, not trying to grab like the Instagram worthy, you know, type of things, but just really keeping it simple. What's the benefit to doing that? So I I always tell people, they come in, what's your best pizza? And I tell them easy cheese, cheese, pizza. cheese. And they seriously, they'll, they'll roll their eyes or they'll sigh and be like, no, come on, real pizza. And I'll tell everybody, you guys don't understand as a New York pizza, it all starts with good cheese pizza because you're not hiding anything nope the quality of the ingredients if you can't make a good slice of cheese you can't make pizza at all amen and that is i mean that's exactly it right and so everything from there is just it's simple and traditional and you know we believe you me right we all love food in the restaurant and you know we love to part of the part of the fun of owning restaurants we get to experiment with food too right um we have uh, pretzel bites that are on the menu now and that was entirely because one day Brian had made some fried dough and he was sitting there snacking on them. And I walked in, I'm like, what are you eating there? And he's like, oh yeah, little pretzel bites I made. And so I was like, well, can I have one? He's like, yeah, sure, go ahead. And I, I ate one, I was like, this is fantastic. And he's like, yeah, it's just, you know, fried pizza dough, you pretzel it and you fry it and it's great. <laughs> and I was like, well, this is going on the menu. And it is, it's on the menu. And I think it's very, it's, it's really caught on. Oh yeah. And we serve it with a beer cheese, and, you know, once again, right, it's not complicated. It's pizza dough. It's pizza dough that we fresh make that we fry. And, well, I'm sorry, we pretzel and we fry. So you mix it with some baking soda and you fry it. Um, but very easy and very simple. Same thing with pretty much everything on the menu, right? I mean, your, your cheese pizza starts as simple as it can get, and then from there, people ask me, okay, well, what's your most popular pizza after cheese? Easy, pepperoni. After that, Half cheese, half pepperoni. Not even kidding. <laughs> not kidding. Yeah, not kidding at all. That's, and, and, and those, those, those one, two, three is way out there. And then after that, sausage, like we have our meat lovers pizza. Meat lovers popular. popular. Yeah, the um, Manhattan meat lover is excellent. Ralston, um, and Ralston's been so interesting, right? Because we just, different demographics. We've been selling New York specials, which is like our Supreme style, basically. And we've been selling so many in Ralston. It's weird. Yeah. Because we've sold tons and tons. It wasn't, I wouldn't say it was particularly popular in West Omaha. You know, you got to have a Supreme style, right? And it's a Supreme style where you can get anchovies if you want. It's an optional topping. We always ask because I would say, I don't know, 10, 20% of people want the anchovies maybe. But in Ralston, everyone wants the New York special. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants anchovies, but they all want the New York special. And it's fascinating. And then, of course, beyond that, we, we have some items that are, you know, a little more towards the artisan. You know, not not like arugula and, and fried eggs, but, you know, we have like a buffalo chicken. We've got like a barbecue chicken. We've got our Alfredo chicken. That Alfredo chicken's been picking up pretty good. Oh, yeah. I, that's a new one, right? That, mm-hmm. was, that was one of those things where, as a restaurant owner, I try to listen to my customers. And since day one, 
don't you guys have Alfredo? We want Alfredo. We want Alfredo. Alfredo, Alfredo, Alfredo. It was the number one most requested item. And finally, I said, you know what, guys? We're adding Alfredo. And I don't think we've ever regretted it because we sell tons of Alfredo pastas, tons of Alfredo chicken pizzas. Um, what a, I mean, what a simple example of listening to your customers, right? I had a lady the other day called up, asked if she could just buy a cup of Alfredo sauce. It's... There you Interesting go, right? request, but I, hey. I, I mean, I wish I could take credit for making it. We, I mean, we, we don't we make don't. the Alfredo sauce ourselves. You know, that's, that's um, Alfredo sauce isn't simple. So <laughs> we let somebody else make that. Um, you know, obviously we make our own pizza sauce and, um, you know, we shred our own cheese. We make our own sausage. We make our own hamburger. I mean, we, we do make a lot of our stuff right there in-house. And, of course, our dough is fresh, you know, freshly made every day. First thing they do when they come in the morning is they make dough. What is... And, and maybe this is going too far afield, but I would love to like kind of understand the science behind that dough and behind the cooking because what it, it like New York style pizza just kind of blows my mind. And, and you described it perfectly earlier, Brian, and that like it's crusty and kind of thick isn't the right word, but like it's firm on the outside. But then on the interior, it's a lot like it's thin and pliable so you can fold it. And like when you said it like, for three quarters, it holds, and then it droops at the end. Like, mm-hmm. it just kind of, it, I'm sure that there's good science behind it. Like, I don't understand it, but, like, what what is it about New York-style pizza that allows it to have, like, these two distinct textures? So I, I think a lot of it breaks down to it needs to have, like, a golden ratio of, like, it's got to have a nice, thin, crisp bottom, but then on top of it, there's still bread left. Mm. Like, it's not like a cracker. It's not like, you know deep dish where it's got that thicker crust like it, it's got a little bit of just like a little crisp a little bit of bread that gives it that chew a little bit of sauce a little bit of cheese like all equal ratios and the the actual you know the science behind you know how that's happening is i mean that's all in the oven right it's because we have stone brick ovens the same stone brick ovens that they all use you know nice nice blodget ovens and um those ovens cook those pizzas at like 500 degrees and so what you're doing is, you know, those stones are real hot. They cook and give you that crisp crust. And then the ambient temperature from those stones is, you know, circulating in the oven to melt the cheese, to cook the toppings. And, you know, that's where you kind of get that science behind it. And from our perspective, we put those, you know, directly on those stones. Yep. And you, you, want, a, you want a fun science experiment. This is something that I never knew before I owned the place. They actually, so they take that dough and they put it on this wooden pizza paddle, right? And then when we have to take that pizza, get it off the paddle, because, you, you know, you put the sauce on, you put your cheese on, put your toppings on, you got to get that whole uncooked pizza off that paddle onto the stones. And I guess I never had thought of that, but it's it's not going to just come off. You know what I mean? That dough is going to stuck stuck to that wood. So we actually use cornstarch, and um, cornstarch is kind of the, you know, the prominent thing everyone uses for that. And you put a little bit of cornstarch on it, and then once you've got your wood paddle cornstarched, that pizza actually will glide on that wood paddle. Like a carpet of air. It's crazy. I mean, literally, you can see these guys. They will. They'll move the paddle back and forth, and the pizza will glide on top of that cornstarch, and then you use that to glide that pizza directly onto those stones. And I had no idea how much science was really involved in that. I, it blew my mind. To this day, I, I never would have guessed. Wow. We are just learning all kinds of things on the podcast. I'm giving all my secrets away. It. That's what I'm saying. That's my problem. I got to stop giving my secrets away. 
All right. Well, we've talked almost exclusively about New York style pizza so far. And there's a good reason for that because it's delicious and because that's what Frank's is most known for. But you guys also offer the the Sicilian style, which is kind of a more thick crusted, almost like a focaccia dough. It's, it's very, very different than New York style. Why do you think it's important at Frank's to offer both of those as opposed to just the New York style pizza? So um, I, I'm going to answer tradition again on that. Once again, you go out to New York, they all have a Sicilian style as well. Okay. Um, but more to that, you know, specifically for Omaha, right? Something that I've learned is that a lot of people in Omaha like a thick pizza. And Omaha kind of has its own style of pizza. The Orsi's style. Well, so yeah. Orsi's is Sicilian. Okay. Um, I stand corrected. So when, I, when I'm thinking of an Omaha-style pizza, right, I'm thinking of Sortino's. Mm. I'm thinking of Mama's. Okay. I'm yep. thinking of Big Fred's, right? These are what I would call, you know, your Omaha style pizzas. And so, and they're big, they're thick, and, uh, you know, sometimes they're flawed and that you pick up the pizza and the whole cheese and all the top just, just come falls off. It's got the bread <laughs> and, the, and the sauce, the sauce. but that's okay. You put it back together. Um, so for, for here in Omaha, having that Sicilian pizza is actually something that uh, inadvertently has been, you know, a good option for people see the New York pizza and they immediately think to themselves, I don't like thin crust. And so we kind of move them over to that Sicilian. And I will be the first to admit, you know, I ate at Frank's and I always got a Sicilian. I would get a Sicilian and I'd get a pepperoni. And um, that Sicilian, what's interesting about that is, you know, we only make so many of those, right? Those are handmade crusts still. And it is, it's a big, thick focaccia crust. And we, um, we used to only make like, what, Two, four, something like that. About three a day. Three, yeah, we usually make three a day. When we run out, we Maybe run out. Maybe we sell them. And if we don't sell them, then it goes in the goes in the trash, right? I mean, you can, it's only good for a day. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we have to kind of uh, eyeball it. But now with Ralston, I think we're up to way more than that. I'm selling 10 to 15 of those a day out here. Wow. Yeah. Ralston loves Ralston loves its thick pizza. Huh? Oh, yeah. And hey, don't get me wrong. It's a great pizza. Believe me, I've eaten a whole lot of Sicilians. Uh, my only problem with Sicilian is my wife doesn't like it. And, you know, so you get this big Sicilian pizza, and I got to eat that whole thing by myself. <laughs> and, and don't get me wrong, I can. It's just I don't want to, right? I'm going to regret it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, so my, since my wife doesn't like it, we don't get Sicilian very often. Gotcha. All right. Well, this has been a fantastic discussion. I have so enjoyed having you guys on. There are a couple more questions I got to ask that I like to ask just about everybody who comes on the show before I let you get out of here. And I, th I think that there's a really interesting, you guys have an interesting perspective as, as someone who comes from outside the industry, Matt, and someone who's been in it for a long time, Brian, what is one thing that you think people outside the restaurant industry, so just diners in general, don't understand about the restaurant industry that you wish they did? I've, I got a great one right off the top of my head. Um, especially now, more than ever, Grubhub. Grubhub, DoorDash, uh, Uber Eats, you know, these third-party delivery services. So people don't understand that we don't really have a lot of control over them, and they also don't understand that, you know, those those people charge us. I mean, they charge us... A lot. Yeah, 20 to 30%. And so, you know, unfortunately, our prices on their menus are marked up to offset that cost. You know, this is this is Omaha. We're a fierce competitive market. I don't have 30 percent margins to give up. 
And so, you know, we mark those prices up on Grubhub and DoorDash to, you know, cover the cost that those companies pass on to us. And I always tell people, but, you know, if you pick up through us, you pay regular price. And, you know, we have people will come in and they'll have put a pickup order in on Grubhub and come in and pick it up. And I'll tell them, you know, you just charge yourself 20% extra. I'm like, just give us a ring. You know, we're happy to take your order. We're happy to help you. You know, we have these apps because in today's world, you have to, you have to, mm-hmm. you know, and, and my insurance agent and my accountant will not let me do my own delivery. You know, they, they made it very simple to me. No. <laughs> okay, cool. That's great. I'm not prepared to change accountant and, and, uh, oh, and my lawyer too, to tell you the truth. So yeah, no was the answer. So we, use Grubhub, we use DoorDash, and we use Uber Eats. Now, we also use Omaha Loco, and, um, I, you know, I'd love to plug Omaha Loco. I think Omaha Loco is an awesome thing, and I really want to see Omaha Loco keep doing well. Omaha Loco doesn't charge nearly as much. They still charge just a little bit, though, and, you know, as a result, Omaha Loco makes it a lot better for restaurant owners. On top of that, you know, there are things that inevitably happen with Grubhub and DoorDash and Uber Eats. You know, problems come up. And when those problems come up, we have people that will call us and, you know, they'll expect us to make it right. And, you know, I believe you me, I want to make it right. But the problem is, is that I'm contractually obligated to send them back to DoorDash and Grubhub because that's where they'll get their refunds. That's where they'll get their compensation for whatever problem happened. And it's, it's unfortunate because, you know, we have a lot of people who will say, well, this is just terrible customer service and it's like I, you know i'm so sorry i wish i could offer more but i can't there's literally nothing you can do about it well i mean i i could you know give food away but then get charged again and then Grubhub charges me too it turns into triple charges and i go out of business real fast if i'm giving free food away all the time um omaha loco is so much better than that and with omaha loco you know we actually have local people here when we have problems they get them addressed a great example we had somebody uh omaha loco um, we must have accidentally given them the wrong pizza. They ordered two pizzas, a cheese pizza and pepperoni pizza. They ended up with a cheese pizza and a sausage pizza. Simple mistake. Um, if this were Grubhub or DoorDash, they would have had to you know, try to reach out to them and they would have just been refunded the money and now they would have been out the pizza. With Omaha Loco, I get a call from the local people. Hey, there was this mistake. You know, We're going to send the driver back to get this pizza. Can you have it ready? Yep, no problem. We'll have it ready. Driver came back, picked it up and delivered it back. Solved the problem and customer was happy, restaurant was happy. You know, we understand mistakes are going to happen, and we're always going to do our best to make them right. And I love that. So a long rant about third-party apps, but the biggest thing I wish people would understand is, you know, those third-party apps, they have a cost, and it's not a little cost. When in doubt, go pick up your pizza. Save yourself 20 30%, because I guarantee, you know, they're all doing it. They have to. Mm-hmm. That's great advice. Uh, Brian, anything outside of third-party delivery apps that you'd like to help Omaha diners understand? Just the third-party apps. It is so frustrating sometimes, the amount of calls I get where they're like, hey, I ordered 17 ranches and I only got 16. I want all of my money back. But you wouldn't believe the amount of people that are like that. Okay. So pe- people, just go... I like. And I fully support Omaha Loco. Like we actually, I ordered off Omaha Loco from Frank's on Sunday. Oh, it was cool. nice. it was perfect. Like delivery was great. It was effortless. Everything I love it. I will always just go pick up my food when I have the opportunity. A because, like you said, like it just ensures that like you're not paying extra for delivery, and it ensures that you get exactly what you want. And B like you don't have to worry about 
you know, a delivery driver messing up your food on the way over or something. You you control the process a lot more. So people, if you have the opportunity, just go pick up your food. Save yourself a lot of money. Save yourself some frustration. Boom. There you go. And you make the restaurant owners happy. Well, yeah. I mean, we're, we're happy anytime we have customers, right? This is true. This is true. Hey, I'm, I'm going to add one more thing if I can here. I want to add to this. Um, you know, most people, if you have a problem with your food, if you have a problem with your experience, say something. Oh, please, please, please say something. Just right? tell us. We will make it right. Like, you know, people don't understand. Like, we don't want them to suffer in silence. And so, you know, we've experienced recently a lot of people will have a problem and never say anything to us. And then they'll take to social media, they'll take to Yelp, mm. they'll take to Google, and they'll leave us these scathing reviews or they'll send me emails, you know, telling us how terrible we are. And I always ask, did you say anything to anybody? You know, I had, uh, I had one lady, um, so part, part of the New York experience is paper plates, right? And paper plates is something that has been a point of contention with a lot of customers that don't understand that a New York slice is served on a paper plate. And so we have metal plates for people who don't want to use paper plates. And I had somebody who didn't realize we had metal plates and they left me a scathing review talking about how they couldn't believe that we made them eat on paper plates. You know, what kind of picnic, you know, garbage was this? And I, you know, I responded to him because, you know, I, I try to respond to all those reviews and, you know, and I even, um, especially when people are really upset and, you know, they make a lot of, you know, like sometimes personal type attacks, I'll even go to our security camera footage and look up. And with this one, I looked it up, and it's like, oh, dude, you literally reached over the metal plates to grab napkins. They were right in front of you the whole time. And on top of that, if you'd said something, all you had to do was say, hey, we really don't like these paper plates. Do you have other plates? We would have been like, yeah, absolutely, right here. And it's like this whole thing could have been avoided if somebody just would have said something. And I think I speak for a lot of restaurant owners when it's like, if you have a problem with something, we are not in business to make you mad. We're in business to make you happy. That's part of hospitality. And if you say something, most restaurant owners are going to bend over backwards to make it happen. Please don't suffer in silence. If you're ever unhappy in a restaurant, whether it's my restaurant or another restaurant, say something. Most of the time, they're going to do whatever they can to make it right. Sage advice. I love it. And we're up against the clock a little bit, but I got to get you guys out of here on a positive note. What is your favorite part about being in the restaurant industry? I love the experience I get to give to people. You know, you have a bad day and then you have just amazing food. It just makes everything go better. You know, I've, I've been in the food industry most of my working career and it just, I love that Frank specifically, it's a very open kitchen. So like, a lot of people, when you go in there, as I'm making pizzas, I'm talking to them. They'll be sitting at the table. I'll go out there and sit with them. Like, seeing the joy the food brings people, it just makes me feel fulfilled. I love sharing people's experiences with them. I love when people bring in, like, a birthday party. And I, I've sung happy birthday to many a customer just because it's so cool that they have brought their party to us and let us be, you know, such a part of, you know, the major events in life, right? You know, I, I love seeing, uh, uh, we had a, a bunch of Creighton basketball guys come in all the time. And I just, I love that, you know, they, they win a basketball game, they come to Frank's, and I love that we get to share in that experience. I love that we get to be part of their life. And for me, as a guy that owns, you know, now two pizzerias, hands down, that's my favorite thing. Love 
participating and enjoying a part of the party and, you know, people like Frank's to be part of that. Well, those are beautiful thoughts and a perfect way, I think, to sum up this conversation, which has been excellent. We got to touch on pizza. We got to touch on business. We got to touch on just all kinds of really fun things. I cannot thank you guys enough for coming on the show today. Brian and Matt, just thank you so much for, for giving of your time and coming and explaining some science, explaining just what makes pizza great and having some fun. Thank you so much, guys. Yeah, yeah. thanks for having us. Yeah, very much appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, people, if you haven't had Frank's, if you're one of those people who Matt is, you know, telling Frank's or telling you about Frank's, just get out there. Like it's, it's awesome. It's great New York style pizza. If you like the thick crust, you can get the Sicilian too. You can go both ways. And don't forget calzones, strombolis. That's true. We've yeah. Got pasta. We got, we've pre- got sandwiches. Pretzel bites. Even. Pre- yeah. Pretzel bites. Then our, we our, got pretzel bites our now. Chicken wings. Chicken wings are spectacular. And then of course, don't forget the desserts, right? We've got our cannolis. The cannolis. Best cannoli in town. There you go. Omaha, as always, thanks for eating with us. A Huda Media Production.